0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. For those who may not have been here last weekend, as we launched into this series, um, we talked about um, how oftentimes uh, people and even us can attribute something to God that God never said. We can attribute things to being in the Bible that actually aren't in the Bible. And the problem is that when we do that... Um, we uh, risk the potential of creating within ourselves a false belief system. Um, And from that, there's the danger of it uh, uh, somehow making our Christian faith even toxic. So um, it's necessary, with that in mind, it's necessary that we always understand, that we always recognize that our belief system must only be based on the person of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's word. I'm gonna say that again. Our personal belief system must only be established on the person of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's word. Our belief system cannot be structured, uh, established on what the culture around us is determining to be truth. Because quite honestly, uh, it's kind of messed up. Uh, our, our belief system can't be established on what we want to be truth or what we feel like should be truth. I'm going to say it again. Our tr- our belief system must be established on the truth that God has already established in his word, that and nothing alone. So um, with that in mind, last weekend, as we launched into the series, we confronted the false belief that says, um, as long as I accept Jesus Christ as my savior, God will ensure that I am always happy. (laughs) Guess what? God never said that. God's chief aim and goal for our lives is not to make sure that we're always happy, happy, happy. Instead, it's something entirely different. God's chief aim and goal, his above all goal for our lives is that we would conform, that we would be formed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. His chief aim and goal for our lives is that we would be holy as he is holy. We looked at two passages of scripture, Romans 8 uh, verse 29. He predestined us to be formed into the image of his son. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15 says, be holy as I am holy. That's God speaking. And he says, be holy as holy as I am holy. Uh, Today, before I begin to walk towards confronting another false belief, a a deception, I want to give you a what-if scenario. And it's very important right now that you hear me say, what if. I'm going to say, what if you were to, and you're going to have a tendency to want to do it. And just, trust me at the end, you'll see why not. Uh, but what if this morning I were to ask you to just take a moment, take a moment and turn to the person on your right and just look at them for a moment. Don't do it. Okay. You just, you had wanted to turn that way and you looked at it for a moment and I said, okay, now what I want you to do is take a moment and turn to your left and I want you to look at the person on your left. Right, don't do it. Okay. Uh, and then after that, uh, and you're already doing this, so your you permission. Uh, what if I said, now take a moment and just, just look at the person in front of you. just Just kind of look at the person in front of you. And then finally, what if I said, now finally I want you to turn around. Don't do this. I want you to turn around and I want you to just take a moment and look at the person behind you. And what if after I had asked you to do that, and after you had turned in the four different directions and you had looked at everyone, then what if, and I'm going to say it again, please don't do this. But what if I said, now, what I want you to do is out of those four people, I want you to point to the one that you believe is the biggest sinner. (laughs) That's why I said, don't do it. Don't do it. Wouldn't that be really awkward if, if you actually did that, I think it would be really awkward to do something like that. Why? Well, I think that there are, are probably many reasons. But one of the reasons that is that today in our culture, there is an unpardonable sin. And that unpardonable sin is that uh, in our culture today, it is not acceptable to uh, call someone's ungodly behavior sin. You hear what it, in our culture, the unpardonable sin is don't call that sin. Please don't do that. Um, uh, the, and, and that leads us to the, to the false deception that we want to confront today. and that false deception is this: when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved and it doesn't matter what you do. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved and it doesn't matter what you do. In other words, I'm saved. I've got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven and I can live my life any way I please. It doesn't matter what I do. And again, today in our culture, it has become uh, the unpardonable sin. It has become unacceptable to look at and to call someone's ungodly behavior a sin. What we've done, instead we've... um, We've watered down, we've sanitized terms that in the past would be used to describe sin. And we've exchanged them for terms that actually just help people feel better about what they're doing. It makes them feel more comfortable. It helps them not to feel uncomfortable. For instance, in the realm of sexual sin... Um, we've uh, we've said uh, rather than referring to someone who is involved in pornography instead of calling it pornography we say well uh, they're involved with adult entertainment doesn't that sound much better I mean, it's entertainment, and it just happens to be in an adult realm. So they're involved in adult entertainment. Rather than uh, speaking of, of, of a, a, an affair, uh, a relationship that is happening outside of marriage, rather than calling that an, ad, uh, an adulterous relationship, now, today, it's, it's more acceptable to say, well, they were just having an affair. Kind of like the movie, An Affair to Remember. We kind of romanticize it. Um, You you see where I'm I'm going with this? Uh, To say that uh, someone uh, is having premarital sex, and rather than calling in that sin, you know, today it's more acceptable to say, well, they were just fooling around. They were just testing the waters because they wanted to make sure they were compatible before actually deciding to get married. So they were just fooling around. Uh, In our culture today, it has become unacceptable to be called Uh, ungodly behavior sin and the problem with this is that it's uh it's infiltrating individual believers and therefore it's starting to saturate the church um there's a great example of this being played out uh, today that whole belief that it doesn't matter what i do because i'm saved it's being played out in the realm of uh, reality tv uh, let me confess, I, I don't, I'm not a subscriber to reality TV. I don't, I don't really waste any of my time watching reality TV. I can honestly say that. Um, so what I'm going to share with you, I learned secondhand, and I had to do a little research. <laughs> Trust me, a, a, a friend told me. <clears throat> I, I, I had to do a little research to just, just to make sure that I was somewhat on track. And so uh, it's being played out in the reality show, The Bachelorette. Enough said, right? (laughs) Yeah, enough said. So, um, uh, as I understand it, the most current bachelorette is uh, someone by the name of Hannah Brown. And Hannah Brown professes Christianity. She professes Jesus Christ as her Savior. And I'm not doubting that in any way whatsoever. Uh, And and she's been very vocal about that in the season uh, of the show. And the producers, for the first time, there have been other believers that have participated. But the the producers, for the first time, are actually grasping onto this. And and, and they're making it a big deal. There's actually been a focus on it. Um, Recently, uh, I guess, in one of the episodes, from what I understand, uh, one of the bachelors, uh, who is also professes Jesus Christ as Savior, challenged her on her sexual purity. Uh, and so this was her response. She said, I've had sex and Jesus loves me. And you know what? That's not a false, that's really not a false statement in itself, is it? In other words, it would appear that what she's saying is that um, in my past, I made some decisions that weren't good. And um, in fact, they were they were sin because they went against God's word. And um, I recognize that God forgives me of those things and that I... he loves me he loved me even while I was in that sin he never stopped loving me so in itself that would seem like truth but taken in context of the show it takes on really a different meaning Um, in another encounter another episode from what I understand what I read uh, just make sure you know that a friend told me Uh, She was once again um, challenged on her sexual purity. And so this time, uh, challenged by a believer, could have been the same person. She comes back with this. She says, I am having physical relationships. The Lord made sex to be amazing. So for me, that changes the context because... She's not just referring to something in the past, but she's saying, she's professing her Christianity, and she's saying, as a believer, I am currently involved in physical sexual relationships, and she's justifying it by saying, the Lord made sex to be amazing, so I have to enjoy it. It takes on a totally different uh, uh, a meaning, a different context. And then uh, in a statement she made in an, in, an, uh, in an interview for a magazine, I'll just read this to you. She says, regardless of anything I've done that people might think, oh, well, that deserved a scarlet letter. That's not how it works. And listen to this. I can do whatever. Whatever. I sin daily and Jesus still loves me. It's all washed. And if the Lord doesn't judge me and it's all forgiven, then no other man, woman, animal, or anything can judge me. I didn't know that animals actually judged us. (laughs) But this is on The Bachelorette. Um, and, and, And listen, there are bits of truth woven throughout everything she just said. It's not actually a truly false statement. What I want to bring to your attention and what I want to confront is a mindset, an attitude, a way of thinking that says, once I'm saved, I can live my life in any way I choose. I can do whatever I want because that's the problem that I'm talking about that somehow... It's begun to infiltrate and maybe this has been happening for centuries but it infiltrates a believer and when that happens it begins to infiltrate the church and then the church develops a false belief system and it becomes very dangerous to even what we've been called to do uh, 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 for God in the kingdom of God. Um, I think that there are three common misbeliefs that fuel this kind of deception. Let me go ahead and tell you what I'm getting ready to give you is not in your notes. You can take notes. This morning in both services, I saw people taking their notes and going, you know, I'm pretty notorious. It's just not always there. I'm going to give you a little bit more. But three common misbeliefs that fuel this deception. And the first is that it's the misbelief that it doesn't matter what I do as long as it uh, doesn't hurt someone else. I can do anything I want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. First, I would say that's very selfish. It means I'm going to get my way. I'll just try to make sure that nobody else gets run over in the way. But the real problem is that when we say it doesn't matter what I do as long as it doesn't hurt someone else, we place ourselves in the role of God. I'm going to remind us again, our truth, our system of belief must be Uh, based on, established on truth that God has already established in his word. And when I say, it doesn't matter what I do as long as it doesn't hurt someone else, then I'm saying, God, I know more than you. I'm going to put what I feel and what I believe in the safety guards that I put out. And I'm going to do what I want to because I think I know best. So we take matters into our own hand. A second misbelief is that all sin is the same. You heard that before, right? Well, all sin's the same. You know, did you overeat last night? And most of them in the room say, Yeah, we did. <laughs> Sinners? Just kidding. Come on, laugh. <laughs> you think like, he called me out on my sin? <laughs> so here's the point I want to make. All sin is not the same. There is a truth that would say that all unforgiven sin, in other words, For those who have not yet walked into a relationship with Jesus Christ and they're separated from God because of a lifestyle of sin missing the mark. For those who have not entered into that relationship, all unforgiven sin leads to eternal death. In other words, uh, entrance into heaven, forgiveness of sin becomes because we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts. And, And when that hasn't happened, then that leads to eternal death for the wages of sin is death. So, all, all unforgiven sin leads to eternal death. But not all sin is the same, if particularly here on earth. And I think that there's indication the scripture would tell us it's not going to be that way in heaven. Um, for instance, if uh, someone goes into a convenience store and robs that convenience store at gunpoint, uh, when they're arrested, they go to trial... And, uh, at sentencing, their consequences are going to be different than the person who goes into a convenience store, robs it at gunpoint, takes that gun, and kills the convenience store clerk. When they go to trial, the consequences of what they've done is going to be different than the person who simply robbed the store. Are you following with me? I mean, there's a a difference. Scripture would help us to know that even in eternity, when we go in heaven before the judgment seat, that how we've lived our life affects the rewards that we're going to receive. So not all sin is the same. And a third um, misbelief is that since I've already done it, I might as well do it again. Since I've already done it, I might as well do it again. I mean, I've already lost my virginity, so I might as well keep on having sex because I've, I've already done it. Or I've done drugs in the past, so I might as well just do it again. Or I looked at pornography in the past and I got away. I was able to cover my tracks, so why don't I do it again? Or I've involved myself in a relationship outside of my marriage. I didn't get it caught. So why don't I do it again? And that's a misbelief. Um, How should we respond to that? I think the Apostle Paul responds very well. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6? Romans chapter 6. I'll let you get there. We're going to look at verse 1. I'll keep on letting you get there. Romans 6, 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Listen, it says, By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? The thought is, is that Paul's addressing is, Uh, we don't keep on sinning so that we can show how great the grace of God is and how great his forgiveness is. But instead, because we've come into relationship with Jesus Christ and we recognize that we're new creations in Christ, we're called to something different. So we don't go on sinning by no means. We adhere to the new lifestyle. Uh, Why are people drawn to these deceptions? Let me give you three reasons. I I think these might be in your notes. (laughs) Uh, drawn to these deceptions, perhaps it's because there's such a, a, a great desire for us as individuals to be in control we like to be in control in other words don't tell me what to do don't you don't tell me what's right and wrong you don't judge me I'll be my own master I'm in control of my life I'll make my own decisions but you stay out of my business don't even try I'm in control Or or maybe it's because of a self-gratification. Maybe we want to gratify ourselves by gratifying our desires. Um, uh, It's back to that King Solomon syndrome. King Solomon, uh, when we looked at King Solomon in the Destiny series, his desires and his passions were greater than his commitment to honor God. And... Maybe that's what happens in us too often is we decide this is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I'm passionate about. And I'm going to let that override uh, uh, my, my commitment to God to honor him with all my life. Or maybe it's just for the sake of pleasure. Maybe it's for the sake of pleasure. There's a willingness to choose pleasure over obedience. In other words... I'm willing to sell out for five or 10 or 15 minutes or an hour of pleasure because it gratifies me right now rather than being obedient to what God has called me to do. I'm going to change gears just a little bit. As I was thinking through this series this week or this message and I was praying over this message and I was preparing for the message I realized quickly that there are actually uh, two directions that this message could go in. Um, the the misbelief, the deception that uh, when I'm saved, because I'm saved, I can live my life in any way I want to. I can do whatever I want to. Would... Um, Uh, It it lays the foundation for uh, a message or a study on uh, the surety of our salvation, the security of the believer. Um, Can I lose my salvation? And here's what I want to say. That would be a great study, but it's not the intent of this message today. I want you to hear that's not the intent of the message. It wouldn't be a wrong way to go. Uh, But my goal is not to... um, talk about a doctrinal belief, but instead to confront a mindset, a way of thinking that can be very, that is actually very dangerous. However, having said that, um, here's something I want you to know. I hope that when you listen to messages here every week, that you're such a student of the word or that you would become such a student of the word that, uh, challenge, challenge me on it. And the way you do that is go home for yourself and study and find out if that's in the Bible. I mean, that's, that's a right thing to do. And, and this past year that I've been here, on two, three occasions, um, I've had, and I've, I welcome this, I've had someone do it in a right manner. Um, I, yeah, I, have, I, I had somebody do it in a right manner just to say, you know, Pastor Stan, one of those points you made, I, I get what you're saying, but but what about, in Romans where it says, or in Galatians. And so we have a discussion. And thankfully, in most of those situations, I've been able to say, you know, when I was studying for this message this week, I considered that and I looked at this passage and this is my interpretation of the passage or this is why I didn't bring it in today. Um, So I would encourage you, be students of the word. And so what I want to do is briefly, I want to give you... Uh, three schools of belief uh, regarding the security of the believer hoping that you would go home and you would study it for yourself I'm not trying to defend any one of them I'm not even going to give you which one I adhere to I'd I would love to talk to you if you'd like after service and share but I, I just want to give you three, three schools of thought so here they are regarding the security of the believer the first is the belief of uh, eternal security and that would say once saved always saved Uh, uh, Eternal security, once saved, always would would believe something like this. Um, When I ask Jesus Christ in my heart, I'm saved. And no matter uh, what I do, I'm not going to lose my salvation. In other words, if I decide to become an atheist or if I decide to live my life out as a serial killer, I'm in. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and I'm going to heaven. I might die prematurely by decisions I make or um, I might not have as many rewards in heaven, but I'm in. Uh, Once saved, always saved. The second would be more of a Calvinist belief, which believes that if you were truly saved, you will never walk away from God. You'll never backslide. Uh, To backslide is to say, um, I'm turning my back, I'm going to walk away. Uh, The belief would be that that would never happen because if you were truly saved, that just wouldn't become a reality. So uh, in this school of thinking, uh, the Calvinist kind of thinking, uh, it would say that if you decided to become a serial killer, Or if you decided to become an atheist, then you were never truly saved. Anyway, so instead of saying once saved, always saved, it would teach the perseverance of the believer, the perseverance of the saint. And then finally, uh, others, including many, if not most Pentecostal circles, would adhere to the belief that you can lose your faith, that you can lose your salvation, that you can walk away, that you can make a willful choice. It's not God walking away from you, but you can make a willful choice to turn your back on God and walk away from him and not live a lifestyle according to him to continuously constantly miss the mark and in doing so you forfeited your salvation again I'm not telling you which one of those to believe but I would say go to the Bible what does the Bible say don't just go to Google okay (laughs) don't just go to Google but go to the Bible and begin to search this out for yourself and find out what God says about this we could spend countless hours Unpacking all of these schools of thought. But again, that's not the intent of the message. What we want to do instead is lean deeply into a spiritual truth that says when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved and you're called to honor God with your life. Why? I have to ask this question. Why would any of us want to spend time thinking, how close to the line of sin can I live and get away with it? Why would we want to do that? Instead, Uh, Of recognizing that when we came into relationship with Jesus Christ we did become new creations we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and convicts us and the Holy Spirit helps us do what we can't do for ourselves and the Holy Spirit helps us live repentant lives turning our back on sin and follow God closely so that we begin to line up our behavior with what God has already declared us to be because when we came into relationship with Jesus Christ at the moment we came in we were were put in right standing with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. I just spit on like two rows. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I'm a little excited about this. Uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we were justified. We were put in right standing with God. Right at that moment, we were declared positionally holy. So now our goal is to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and lead us to a holy lifestyle. In other words, our behavior, our lifestyle needs to come into alignment with what we've already been declared to be through Jesus Christ. That is a great amen spot. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. So again, why would we want to see how close to the line can I live? Well, We really don't even need to worry about, can I lose my salvation if we're following hard after Jesus Christ? If if this is where our attention is, then we don't, this isn't a problem. It it, it doesn't become an issue because we've decided to move this way. Um, You know, I believe that one of the best ways to prove this point is to let the Bible speak for itself. And so what I want to do for just a few moments as I'm getting ready to close is I want us to walk through six passages of Scripture. Don't worry, they're not long. Uh, I know it's getting close to lunchtime. Actually, it's noon right now. Somebody's stomach just growled. Um, uh, what I want to walk through six passages of Scripture that I, speak, that I believe speak very plainly to this. So I want you to, once again, take your Bibles and turn back to... Uh, Romans chapter six, verse one. I don't want to leave this one out. It's worth reading again. And then we're going to move forward to five verses after that. So again, in Romans chapter six, verse one, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? That's pretty plain, isn't it? There, there's a very plain message that we died to sin. We're not to continue to live in any longer. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Flip a few pages. I want to look at verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Again, It's very plain. It's very obvious. Uh, Our bodies are to be a a living sacrifice. This is our spiritual act of worship. We're to honor God with our bodies. In other words, we're to honor God with our behavior so we stop conforming to the world and we conform to the image, we form to the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to look at verse 18 through 20. Again, very, very plain here. Flee from sexual immorality. It doesn't say ponder it, hang around, hang out with, Uh, think about it. It says flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You were not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's so obvious. Honor God with your body. I want you to turn to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Pretty cool. I'm just keeping you moving forward, right? You don't to go back and forth. Chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. And what? The old has gone. The new has come. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we're we're not old anymore. We're new. The old has gone and the new has come. So we begin to live in the new. And then um, look at verse, uh, s- uh, uh, no, no, no. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 3. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Again, it's pretty clear, isn't it? These are improper for God's holy people. Then look at verse uh, 8 through 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Again, find out what pleases the Lord and live your life that way. And then finally, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. We looked at this last weekend. And it says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Remember when I read that last week and I read it this way, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do, for it is written, be happy because I am happy. It doesn't say that, right? It says be holy so once again, it's very plain that God has called us to a lifestyle that matches what he's made us to be. Now, here's, here's, uh, I think this would be very important that you not miss something I'm saying because I started out by saying there's an unpardonable sin in our culture that we're not to call out ungodly behavior as sin. And what I'm not actually suggesting is that when you leave this place today, every time you see someone doing something that's sinful, you go, sinner, <laughs> sinner, <laughs> sinner, 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 sinner. I'm not saying that in any way whatsoever because it's more about being introspective. Don't worry about the people around you. Worry about yourself. What's happening in me? Are there areas in my life that don't line up with what God has declared me to be and what am I going to do about it? Uh, Just as I close, uh, for those who would choose to believe, it doesn't matter how I live my life, because I'm saved, it's all taken care of. There are some truths that come with that and they apply really to all of us. Uh, They're in your notes. I'm going to say them just a little bit differently than they're stated in your notes. Close though. Uh, Number one, your choices will shape your life. That's just a, that's pretty obvious, right? I mean, good choices yield good consequences and bad choices yield bad consequences. The choices that we make about sin comes with, uh, consequences. Um, second truth, sin can be forgiven, but forgiveness does not excuse consequence. So when we, uh, recognize by the work of the Holy Spirit, sin in our lives, uh, we come before God and we repent And repentance means that we recognize we've been walking in the wrong direction and we're going to turn and we're going to walk in the right direction. And we offer that sin to God and we are forgiven. But that forgiveness does not necessarily excuse the consequences that came with the sin. We still have to walk out the consequences. Third truth. Wrong actions yield poor spiritual return. Um, When we make wrong sinful choices... God doesn't separate up from us but we separate ourselves from God. And I don't know about you but when I have sin in my life I kind of shy back from God and I stop living out life to potential because I know I'm not in the right. I know that there's sin in my life but when I take care of that when I offer it to God and I turn to Him then the, 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 the channel is clear and I begin to experience the fullest potential that He has for my life. And finally God has called us to live holy lives. When we came into relationship with Jesus Christ, we were set apart as a holy people. We actually changed our citizenship. Our citizen we have a dual citizenship. We're citizens of this earth, but we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we're called to live like kingdom citizens. I think we have to ask ourselves the question mm-hmm. Does my behavior, does it line up with what God has already positioned me to be? Holy. What in my life is not honoring to God? And then we offer that to the Holy Spirit. It's a very personal work. It's a very personal work. Um, I want to end this message this way. Um, Earlier this week, uh, I received an email. And um, in that email, someone just shared with me uh, out of their personal prayer time uh, for the church, uh, a word uh, that they felt like the Lord gave them and just said, you have liberty to share this at any time or don't, or don't share it at all. Um, and as I was thinking through the message, I realized I believe it's in alignment with this message. So I want to read to you this word that was a result of someone's prayer time. And I, I would say that it's a very true word. And it says this, God speaking, you are mine, my beloved Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. I am exalted in your heart and through your life. Listen to this. Seek me first. Love me more. The fruit you desire is produced through abiding in me. I am all you need. I am your life. I am your hope. I am your savior. I am your king of kings. I see you. I know you. I love you abundantly. You are mine. I delight in you. Trust me. I see and I know what you do not know. I am. Rest in me. Now listen. Abide in me. Seek me first. Give me all of your heart. Trust me more. That's really what God is calling us to. That we would give him all of us. And that we would, uh, through partnership or through allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, that we would do everything uh, within the power of the Holy Spirit in us to live a life that's honoring to God. It's that simple. It's really not complicated. We don't want to live close to the line of sin, but we want to live a life that honors God. Would you stand pray for you? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you've already established truth. And uh, we don't have to figure it out. We just have to let the Holy Spirit reveal to us. Father God, I pray that... uh We would not fall victim to this belief that says, I can do whatever I want to, but instead we would be a people who recognize that you've declared us as holy and we would do all within the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, submitting to that power to live lives that are honoring to you. I pray that this week you would help us be introspective and that where there are things that need to be changed that we would just offer those to you and allow your Holy Spirit to work in us. Father God, we love you. We give you all praise, glory, and honor. We thank you for your presence in this place, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.